Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. That's right, Philip Phillips. Four years ago, today's senior class chose Notre Dame as their place to call home. And their fellow teammates and their brothers will run out of the Rockney Stadium Tunnel just after 2.30 p.m. today on Senior Day. Senior Day for Notre Dame football right here on November 20th, 2021. Today may also be the last time we'll see Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams come out of the tunnel as highly touted juniors. Senior Day can be an emotional day. Will your Irish come out sluggish or will they hit on all four cylinders right out of the gate? We, along with you, can't wait to talk about today's game and also share memories with our guests today. Walk on and co-author of History Through the Headsets, John Mahoney. Notre Dame All-American and Super Bowl winning quarterback, Joe Theismann. We'll talk the true Irish connections with Lynn Clark and his radio associate connecting directly from Dublin, Ireland, Declan Hughes. And we'll conclude today's show with everyone's favorite linebacker, Rocky Boyman. But first, my favorite, my hardworking partner, co-host, technical guru. I'll just go on and go on. Vince Zadero, good morning. And I almost said good. I told you I was going to say good afternoon today because I've said good morning the last three weeks. So good morning. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, man. We're kind of stoked, all of us, Matt. You and I, we, we got on early today on here and had some chats. So. See, I, 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 uh, I enjoy the morning shows. You know, we get the day moving. We get the day going. I mean, we're going to be done at 11 o'clock. Plenty of time for, uh, you know, get a little noon football game in, or, you know, a little noon football in before right. we head over to Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, I, I dig these morning shows. Uh, you know, you just hit the ground running. And we're nice to have all these guests get, uh, get up uh, early today, no too. Let's, I didn't ask you beforehand, so what's uh, you covering the game at the stadium today? Are you filling oh, yeah. in, or what's going on today? No, I, so today is a pretty normal day uh, for me. So I, I'll be going to this. I'm going to go a little early, make sure I hit all the senior day activities. That's It's one of my favorite days on campus, no question about it. Uh, I think as I get a little older and my kids get a little older, the uh, senior day activities mean a little bit more to me. I think that's kind of how that goes. But uh uh, I really enjoy the senior day stuff, so I'm gonna make sure I get there early so I can I can take all that in. And um, you know, there's nothing better than a a mid afternoon start at Notre Dame Stadium. I know the night games are are exciting for everybody and the light shows and all that, but Notre Dame's all about the afternoon starts. And so I, I'm I'm happy that the last game of the season is an afternoon start. It's supposed to be a perfect fall day, about 45 degrees, sun shining. So. Uh, it should be a lot of fun over at the stadium this afternoon. Yeah, it does sound like not a lot of not a lot of not, not a lot of wind. No yeah. wind today, so you know. Yeah, here's we'll hoping it. we'll take it in, in uh, this time of year. Hey, so we our first guest um, is a player that I believe we'll ch- double check celebrated his senior year. I think last year running out of the tunnel, but we'll we'll check in with him. He's co-author of History Through the Headsets. 
John Mahoney. John, I'm sorry. I was looking at something else. I was just reading that just came across my phone about your, I text somebody else about your book and they just got it. So oh, everybody wonderful. likes it so far. It's doing great. How is it going? Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I think things are going well. I appreciate you having me on, Tim. Uh, no, no problem. No problem. So was last year your graduation? Yep. Yep. So last year I was a senior last year. So uh, yeah, and that's really what the book is about is kind of read my experience, you know, as seniors during the, uh, during the COVID impacted year of, of 2020. Let's go back a little before that and talk about how you got to Notre Dame as a walk-on. We had a, another famous walk-on on a couple of weeks ago in Rudy. And uh, so t- tell us your path out of high school to Notre Dame. Absolutely. So I uh, grew up in the Des Moines, Iowa area, and that wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a Notre Dame fan growing up. I kind of followed the team casually, but, you know, didn't have a, a super close connection or anything. But as I, uh, you know, kind of navigated the process throughout high school, realized it was a place I, I wanted to go to school. And, you know, the advice I got from, you know, people that I really trusted in life was, you know, if you can find a place that you want to go to school and you can make football work, then then that's what you should do. But don't, you know, don't sacrifice the academics or anything else. Right. Just go play football somewhere. And I, you know, I kind of took that to heart. Smart. Um, you know, so uh, the amazing thing is I, I, I applied to Notre Dame just as a student. I never really imagined I'd be able to play football. Um, so applied as a student, I think, in November of 2016. And then, you know, a couple of weeks after I applied, uh, Dave Poloquin, who's the director of player personnel for the for the team, connected with me and asked me if I'd be interested in uh, a preferred walk-on spot. And I was obviously just blown away. I mean, that was more than I you know ever would have imagined. Never really anticipated having that opportunity. And John, what was your position, if I can ask? Just interrupt. I was a, I was a safety on defense. Okay, so played okay. safety. Um, you know, and then so the the deal was if I uh, if I got into school on my own, I was able to uh, you know I had a roster spot, and so I was lucky enough to uh, to get into school, and the, the rest was kind of history. So. Well, that's kind of cool that they called you about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something they must have noticed on film or, or somebody had whispered in their ear that we, we better give the safety a chance. Yeah, absolutely. No, they do a, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing because obviously the the recruiting team is, is fantastic. I mean, they find the best players from across the country, but, you know, they, the, the walk-on process is a little different, but they do it. They do a really good job of kind of, you know, looking, you know, across, I would say more Midwest, but really across the country, finding kids that, you know, A, are good players, but B, you know, have the academics to be able to play at Notre Dame and, you know, can kind of slot on the scout team and stuff like that. And, you know, it can't be an easy job because a lot of the guys, you know, certainly in my case, we flew, we kind of fly under the radar. So there's not a lot of attention that we get. So the staff does a great job of, uh, you know, kind of digging through the weeds and, and finding guys like me and, you know, all the other, all the other walk-on guys. So tell me how, how tight a group and friends you've become as, as walk-ons, because we all know you get put, you get put through the ringer. It can be fun, but it can be real tasking at times. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, what I what I would say there is that, you know, if you look across the country, you know, I, the, the traditional walk on model is, you know, your freshman year, you've got, you know, 10 to 15 guys. And by the end, your senior year, you know, so on on your senior night, there might be two or three of them walking out of the tunnel, you know, and those are the two guys that maybe found some time, maybe got scholarships, maybe got a chance to play. But, you know, the six guys I can you know, I, we started with six and we ended with seven. And <laughs> wow. it's almost it's almost unheard of for, for a walk on another name to quit the team. And I think what that really speaks to is, you know, the brotherhood and the the connection that we all have with each other. Um, you know, we hold each other accountable, but it's, it's Notre Dame is really unique in the sense that they not only attract, but they really retain quality walk-ons and, you know, the, the bonds I was able to form during my time on campus for, you know, unlike anything I've ever, uh, unlike anything I've ever experienced. Did you, I mean, did you, I mean, look, we, we all know, cause we're all football guys. I mean, a football yeah. team is, it's close. I mean, that that's one of the best parts about being on a football team. Right. It takes and that's what I, and that's what I that's what I'm realizing. I really miss too. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And no question about it. Did you anticipate though the 
the strength and the breadth of the of Wapu Nation at Notre Dame. I mean, it's kind of different at Notre Dame, as you kind of described, you know, than it is anywhere else. You know, it's one of those things where obviously you hear about it before you go and you, you anticipate it being something that's going to be an important part of your experience. But until you are, you know, up close and living it, you don't realize how important it's going to be. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it sounds dramatic, but I would say that, you know, those are truly the guys, you know, because it's uh, to Tim's point, it's like it's a it's a grinder a lot of times. And, you know, being yeah. a walk on, it's not an easy job. I mean, there's you're dealing with school, you're dealing with football, you're dealing, you're dealing with the fact that you're not going to probably ever get a, a, a real opportunity to get a ton of playing time. And, um, you know, there's other things going on in your life. You're trying to find a job. I mean, it's just all this stuff. And it's, and it, those end up being the guys that are there for you when, when, when no one else really is. And it's, uh, you know, I just feel very lucky to, you know, have had the opportunity to be surrounded with such a great group of guys and, you know, call myself, uh, call myself one of their, one of their own. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on 960 AM WSBT. We're talking with one of the co-authors of the new book, History Through the Headsets, John Mahoney. So, John, how did you and uh, Reed connect? Did, uh, was he obviously a walk-on also? Did yeah. One yeah. of the six, or was he the extra seven? Reed, uh, so Reed actually had a little bit of a different story. So he, he enrolled just as a student uh, his freshman year and then actually tried out for the team and made it. So wow. was a little bit of a different story, too. So really, really a neat story there, too. Um, but, but, you know, he and I were obviously friends, but we were both the signalers for the defense. So we had the, uh, you know, the hats and the pennies on on the sideline, relaying mm-hmm. the calls in for the defense. I'm sure you'll be able to see those guys today. Um, you know, so we, we'd kind of carved out roles for, for ourselves doing that. And uh, we were actually at, at Thanksgiving dinner last year after the North Carolina game. And um, Coach Terry Joseph kind of mentioned that it'd be it'd be neat if we, um, you know, contemplated writing a book. And so we kind of chewed on it for a little bit. And remember, it was I think it was practice the following uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. We looked at each other and we just said, hey, do you want to do you want to give us a go? Do you want to give us a shot? And um, <laughs> decided to decided to pull the trigger and. Uh, you know, a lot of ups and downs throughout the process, but it uh, things things turned out pretty well. So it's been a lot of fun. A book was born. So tell me, how did you two get chosen to do that? I'm sure they didn't just choose anybody. And I read Brian uh, Kelly's forward on your book in uh, very, very flattering and giving you guys so much credit because it, it just can't take anybody off the walk on team and make them that position and do as well as you guys did. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think we were obviously senior guys, you know, we're, we were older guys. So I think we, we both started doing it in our junior year. So we've been around the program enough to kind of understand how things worked and be familiar with, <laughs> excuse me, um, you know, not only the calls, but kind of the processes and how things are supposed to work. And, you know, I think, you know, at that point we had, we both earned reputations as being kind of reliable, responsible, you know, intelligent enough guys to handle the job. And, um, you know, it starts in spring ball. So usually your spring ball is kind of your demo run. You get the chance to, um, you know, kind of try things out in spring ball and they see if, see if things work. And I guess, you know, so that spring of our sophomore year, things went well enough that we, uh, you know, got the chance to do it our junior year. And once we, once we kind of slotted in those roles, we were, uh, we were the guys from there on out. So it's been, you know, really cool. And I mean, got the chance to visit some really cool places and obviously with the book, I mean, you know, have some really neat stories that we can tell about stuff that, uh, you know, somebody like me under normal circumstances never would have, uh, never would have had access to. So. Well, that, that's a really good point, and uh, I want I want you to elaborate on that because obviously freshman sophomore year you're not traveling with the team I, right. I would imagine right so no. so game days are a little bit different for you guys when you're not traveling <laughs> with the team and then all of a sudden well now you're an integral part in the game day operation you're traveling with the team and you're doing everything with them how did that change things for you No totally I mean it was so obviously I mean you one of the cool things about Notre Dame is everybody dresses for the home games so that right. was you know obviously a great experience my my freshman sophomore year but. You know, having a chance to be a part of the be a part of the travel squad my junior year. I remember you know the first game was at Louisville. And this is like just post Lamar Jackson, a couple me a year or two post Lamar Jackson. They've done the stadium expansion. We're there. And it's I think I think it was the the 
to this day, I think it's the highest attendance Louisville's ever had at a at a at a home game. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, two weeks later we're at Georgia and the same and the same thing happens, you know. So um you start to realize just the 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 impact the the power of the Notre Dame brand. I mean, you're you're going everywhere and you just realize that even if you know, even if it's not a traditional rival, even if it's not a school that we have a connection to, you know, not only the other team, but the other fan base is going to get up for Notre Dame. And it's just, you know, playing Notre Dame becomes an event for teams just because of because of our reputation and because of who we are. So having the chance to kind of, you know, see that firsthand and you know. It was kind of, I just remember being in Georgia and we're, we're pulling up in the bus and there's like old ladies and little kids like flipping us off and stuff. I was just like, this is, this is a different world. I mean, what is, what is going on now? I mean, because, you know, I'm, I'm a Midwest kid originally and, you know, college football is, it's intense, but man, you get down South and it's just, there, there's just another level of uh, passion that you run into with those people. And I, I always, I always kind of laugh because, you know, when, when people visit Notre Dame, they're like, oh my gosh, you guys are so nice. I mean, it's such a, you know, such a, such a genuine, such a caring fan base. So I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. But I guess you go other places, you start to realize it I was like, yeah, I mean, that, that, that does make sense. We are, we are nicer than that. So <laughs> Georgia fans are pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess relatively, I mean, I, I, we haven't <laughs> been to LSU or Bama or anything. So I've heard, uh, I've heard Ole Miss is a, is a different story too. So we're with uh, John Mahoney, co-author of history through the headsets inside Notre Dame's playoff run during the craziest season in college football history. So when you're obviously uh, doing this stuff on the sidelines, you don't have to practice in and play on the scout team also during the week, do you? When you're oh no, we did, yeah, no, we we did. We did that too. Wow. So we were we were kind of thin at uh, so we were kind of thin at linebacker this year. We just didn't, you know, not a lot of freshman linebackers, or I guess last year would be now. I'm just I'm dating myself, but so we were pretty thin at linebacker. There weren't a ton of freshmen, so you know I was a safety, but had to roll down and play linebacker a lot on the scout team and. (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember, but Louisville ran kind of a funky defense. It was like a like a three four kind of mm-hmm. you know big guys up front, but then kind of edge rushers and stuff. And you know, of course, what happened was I was one of the linebackers, and you know, I think it was probably between twenty percent and twenty five percent of the snaps. You know, the outside linebacker has to go put his hand down on the line, and I hadn't done that since I was probably twelve years old. And so it's like <laughs> it's like the first that you know one of the first snaps where I have to do that, and I line up literally across from Liam Eikenberg and Brock Wright. You know, I'm putting my hand down. I'm trying to get in a three-point stance, and all I can hear is them just laughing at me, like just just audibly laughing at me. And of course, they you know they threw me back ten yards, and it was kind of kind of embarrassing. But uh, definitely, uh, you definitely get the full experience, just because you know you're you're managing that. You're trying to get the calls in for the week. You know, trying to trying to make the, make it to both meetings as best you can. So, um, you know, it's it can be challenging at times, but it's rewarding just knowing that you're you're contributing however you can. So, what do you want your readers uh, to take from this book? You know, I, I think, I mean, really why we did it was we just wanted to provide, you know, kind of a keepsake of a time that was really unique in college football. You know, it was the first time Notre Dame's ever played in the conference. You know, we played in a Rose Bowl in Texas for the first time since World War II. I mean, we were we were on a team with, you know, guys that will be Notre Dame legends forever. You know, Jeremiah Wusu, Ian Book, mm-hmm. Robert Hainsey, guys like that that, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I, I and this, the, the, there's a, there's a better way to say this than the way I'm going to be able to do it. But I think, you know, at Notre Dame, you get spoiled with having great players all the time. Um, so it's easy to forget about the great ones you've had. Right. And, but, you know, having the chance to have played with those guys and, you know, knowing all that they gave and all that they contributed to, you know, the first, you know, going 43 and eight from 2017 to 2020 and having the first stretch of four 10 win seasons in program history, yeah. um, you know, just knowing how integral those guys were to, you know, making this program what it is. I just think it's uh you know, we wanted to uh, we wanted to commemorate that as best we could. And we hope that, um, you know, we're able to bring the fans inside what was really a unique year between, you know, COVID protocols and 
playing conference games and getting games canceled and you know all that all that kind of stuff so how about uh, uh give us a story that'll tantalize our readers to hit the bookstore to get your book yeah i mean obviously the one i would point you to is is the clemson game last year i mean that was uh you know, that was one of those moments where you know it just felt it was so it was so authentically Notre Dame you know it was just everything that you everything that you dream of coming to Notre Dame you know kind of came through that night you know so um you know obviously we feel like we take the readers through through the entire story kind of from start to finish whether it's you know prep during the week and having practice canceled so you know because of election day and you know going in and you know jumping ahead early but then you know turning the ball over and you know being behind and then going to two overtimes and you know what it was like to be on that field after the game um you know, and it was it was one of those things that you know we'll never forget. But we didn't feel like it was fair to just kind of keep that to us too. We wanted to we wanted to include as many other people in that as, as we could, just because it was such a special moment. Sure was, John. I I as a coach who's been on headsets in the past, and as somebody who I, I have a, a family member who used to be on the headsets at Notre Dame as well. Who was that? Uh, it, my my father in law. It was probably oh, before cool. your time. Nice. He was yeah. one of the you know the the. Uh, the the workers you know and he would sit on the headset oh, make sure everything yeah. works right uh so he always had stories about what goes on in the headsets and things of that nature and you know you don't have to throw any coaches under the bus or give any names but any good stories that you're overhearing on the headsets as the games are going on maybe in a tight moment oh no absolutely i mean and that was and that was a cool thing too is you just yeah. you got to, you got to know um what was going to happen before it happened and I know one of the stories we talked about in the book was some i mean everybody remembers the play that you know awusu you know, kind of intercepted that fumble and scored a touchdown against Clemson. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, we we knew we were, Reed and I knew we were sending him on a blitz before the play. I mean, it was like, and and when you're sending Uso on a blitz, like usually you know good things are coming, right? It's, it's not. Obviously, <laughs> we, we wouldn't have been able to anticipate that necessarily, but uh, you know, that was that was a fun one because we knew he was coming off the edge, and all at once we kind of saw things develop, and it was like all at once it was like everything kind of was went in slow motion. You know, it's like you know worst case scenario here we get a tackle for a loss, but then. You know, the ball bounces off his chest and it just kind of lands in his hands and um you know was able to was able to score a touchdown for us so to you know to kind of to, to see that coming before it happened was was really cool and i mean that's just that was kind of the story too it was just the knowledge yeah. that um you know we we all we always knew what was what the next play was going to be what the next uh what the next look was going to be and that was it was a cool spot to be in yeah do you, do you get a feeling like do you get to know the defensive coaches kind of in a different manner hearing them on the headsets than you do maybe at practice or you know off the field things like that oh absolutely i mean it yeah. was and, and what was cool too is so coach lee obviously who's at vanderbilt now was just a really a brilliant guy but was a guy that kind of thinks out loud you know and particularly when he's on the headset because he's cool. up in the booth he's relaying stuff down to us and so not only were you getting the call but he was you know and when and it's him and it's elston and it's you know coach mickens and coach joseph and those guys and see, so I mean, you really get to see how the sausage got made, right? It was not That's only awesome. not only the calls that were getting put in, but it was like, okay, we're getting this look. This guy caught this pass, you know, two drives ago. You know, they, they ran the ten and out, you know, two drives ago to, to get the first down. What? How do we want to attack this? How do we want to run this? You know, so you really get to see, like, wow, this is this is what they're thinking about as they're making yeah. these calls. That, and it's just something that that you know, as a fan or even a player that is you know even you know on the sideline or even actually playing you don't have access to so we were in a really unique spot to be able to uh you know get a feel for for all that goes into those decisions did you know being on the headsets with those guys and working so closely with the coaches did that make you maybe think about coaching someday in your future you know i think i'd love to you know i'd love to coach on some level um probably not at the college level i just think you know there's there's just a a lifestyle (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. I think there's there are lifestyle challenges associated with that. And I think there's just a lot that there's a lot that goes into that job that is is off the field, you know. And I think if and I think I, and a lot of coaches would would kind of 
corroborate what I'm saying, but I just think if, if all the job was, was, you know, going to practice and coaching on game day, I think there'd be a lot more people that want to do it, but it's really the, uh, it's the grind of recruiting and it's the grind of, you know, not having a lot of job security and stuff like sure. moving around all the time and stuff like that, that I think makes it a challenge for people. But, uh, you know, we've been lucky to have some really, really great ones in Notre Dame and, uh, it's been, uh, you know, been, been fun to even stay in touch with the guys that are off, you know, doing great things at other schools now too. So we're finishing up with uh, John Mahoney, co-author with uh, Reed Gregory of history through the headset inside <laughs> Notre Dame's playoff run during the craziest season in college football history. Where can people, uh, get the book? Uh, John, and are you doing any uh, upcoming signings? Yeah, so it's available uh, wherever books are sold. So it's on Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble. Obviously, it's at the bookstore on campus. Uh, Reed and I did an in-person signing before the North Carolina game. Um, wish we could be there today, but unfortunately, just, you know, I live in Minnesota. He lives in New York, and it's tough to kind of organize, get sure. back to campus sometimes. So I'm actually, uh, you know, not that, not that a ton of your listeners right now will be around, but I'm actually doing a signing back in my hometown on Friday. So if anyone's in the Des Moines, Iowa area, would love to see it. Beaverdale books at two o'clock on Friday, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're available. We're available online, and obviously, uh, we're uh, we're all, we're on social media and everything. So, if there's any any readers that are interested, we're more than happy to reach out and answer questions, and you know, interact with the fans however we can. So, and fantastic! Looks like a, a great a read. Normally, I will read the books beforehand, but we set this up at the last minute. So right. Peruse it, so I'm looking forward to reading the whole book. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Appreciate. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and you know, really appreciate you guys taking the time today. You got it. You got it. Thanks a lot, John. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Stay, stay with us. We'll be back with uh, 1970 All-American and Super Bowl quarterback Joe Theismann on 960 AM WSBT. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Grell and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And your Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by, of course, Legacy Heating and Air, your heating and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Mary Vag in South Bend, Kimberly Thibodeau in South Bend, Jerry Madsen in Osceola, or Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive through carry out or catering. Just look for the smoke. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. By Key Bank, earn up to 2% cash back on purchases with the Key Cashback credit card. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com slash cashback. Key Bank is member FDIC. By Mimos Pizza, Mimos on Edison and Mishawaka. If you like pizza, you'll love Mimos. Manja, manja. By Monterey Mexican Barn Grill, authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings, etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today and order online at togo.wingsetc.com. By the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973. And by Salsa's Mexican Grill, share good times and great food this football season at Salsa's Mexican Grill. Tim? Hey, thanks, Vince. It's a chilly day, but it doesn't look windy. And like Vince said earlier, you know, it's going to be a good football day out there at the stadium. And you tailgaters, it's hard to believe, Vince, we're here at the last, last one. game. And uh, out of seven, right? We have seven this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe that is accurate. I don't, I don't know where the time I, it's, it's either six or seven because they had the Shamrock Series game. And I, you know, oh, I, can never, I can never keep it straight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I can't I can't either. Um but anyway, it's going to be a good day for everybody uh, out there, and you've got your day set covering. So 
uh, as we wait for Joe Theismann to join us, um, quick synopsis, synopsis or summary of today's game. Well, look, it, uh, Notre Dame is playing Georgia Tech, uh, and we talked last week about the fact that Virginia was really the last hurdle for Notre Dame on this schedule to 11-1, and one. Uh, and, and Georgia Tech doesn't pose you know, a lot of issues for Notre Dame as far as from a win-loss situation, but there's there's matchups to keep an eye on for sure. Um, you know, the quarterback, Sims, he didn't play last week, so hopefully hopefully he plays this week. Uh, but he he's, uh, you know, a, a dynamic athlete who can get out in space and beat you with his legs, and he can beat you with his arms, so you got to make sure that you can contain him. Uh, and then uh, I believe his name is uh, is Gibbs. He, he's a, the, the little running back, but he's also a return man. Um, has a couple returns for touchdowns this year. The kid is slippery as all get out, and uh, when they give him the ball, he's trouble. So you've got to be able to contain him as well. Uh, so little number one, he's he's the guy you got to keep an eye on if you're watching this game. But uh, but look, N Notre Dame, they're favored by I think 17 points, something along those lines. It, it should be that plus more, especially if if Notre Dame fans have any you know want or desire to play in the college football playoff. You've got to beat these teams the way you need to beat them to get some people's attention. Um, and, and that's what you should be doing in the last two games of the season against Georgia Tech and Stanford. These are teams that don't match up with Notre Dame in any way, shape, or form. you got to beat them. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. That's real quick. And I think we have our next guest has just kindly joined us from uh, up in Chicago. Joe, are you there? I'm here. Hey, everybody. Hey, great. Hey, let me, you know, I don't need to go through this because all Notre Dame fans know it, but let's let's just remind everybody. 1970, um, All-American, second in the Heisman Trophy, uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, NFL Most Valuable Player in 83, Offensive Player of the Year also in 83, Man of the Year in 82, First Team All-Pro 83. Like I said, everybody's favorite uh, quarterback, Joe Theismann. Again, thanks, Joe. I know you got a busy morning going there in Chicago. What's going on there in Chicago? Actually, we have a we have an autograph show here, a big show at the convention center um, here in uh, in Chicago, out near O'Hare. And uh, I go on at ten thirty this morning. Uh, Montana's coming in, Manning's coming in. I think Marino's coming in. It's uh, it's um, it's really uh, an incredible show. I, I, it's a chance for me to be able to visit with guys I haven't seen for quite a while. That's one of the things I enjoy about doing autograph shows. So. Yeah, we're here in Chicago uh, all day and uh, signing autographs for people. Oh, that's great. That's qu quite a quite a group of, uh, of talkers and speakers there today, too. Hey, Joe, let's go back. We kind of like to remind our listeners of how things got started. But you lettered in basketball, baseball, and, and football in high school. Of the, of the three, was football your favorite and, and just what you wanted to go forward and play? Because I heard you were a very good baseball player, too. Actually, baseball was my first love. Uh, and I played baseball at Notre Dame for uh, Coach right. Klein. Jake, I played there. I played, I think, six or seven games uh, my senior year, but I loved baseball. Of course, football was just a, a ton of fun. And it's funny, when we had pickup games, I didn't want to play quarterback. I wanted to play wide receiver. So uh, <laughs> I guess that's like everybody else. You know, singers singers want to be athletes. Athletes want to be singers and, and actors and everything else. But, no, I, I loved it all. As a matter of fact, Central Connecticut um, – offered our entire basketball team scholarships when I was in high school. So uh, it was, I was lucky. My cousin was the other guard, Billy. <laughs> so, you know, it was a very small community and uh, we all, we all sort of grew up in the world of sports. That's basically what we did. I mean, I lived two blocks from my high school. My mom 
If you walked out our front door and made a right-hand turn in two blocks, she'd be at the high school. If a mom ever needed to look for me, that's yeah. where she would go. <laughs> so, so Joe, obviously you were an accomplished athlete in high school. How did Notre Dame get on your radar, and, and how did how did you get on Notre Dame's radar, and how did that whole process uh, kind of take place to finally get you to South Bend? Well, I mean, it's um, actually I chronicle it in the book I wrote called How to Be a Champion Every Day. That's out now both on audio and uh, at bookstores and on Amazon. But, um, you know, I was recruited. We were undefeated our senior year in high school. Um, it, it was, you know, just an incredible experience uh, growing up. Drew Pearson was actually my wide receiver in high school. Drew was a sophomore. I was a senior and he just went into the Hall of Fame. But um, I was recruited by a number of schools, but I narrowed it down to five. Penn State, Notre Dame, University of North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Wake Forest. Those were the five I visited. But I visited four before I wound up visiting Notre Dame. And the reason, and I actually signed at North Carolina State because my head football coach backed up Roman Gabriel there. So I wind up, I wind up uh, signing there. Notre Dame comes to me and said, we'd like you to make a trip out. I said, already signed. Because we were an independent and are somewhat still an independent, it wouldn't affect the status for me in a conference. So I went out and Rocky Blyer and Dan Harshman were my chaperones, two running backs. Um, I flew back to New Jersey after my trip at Notre Dame. And my father said, what do you think? I said, I have to go to Notre Dame. He said, why? I said, dad, it just feels right. And, and, and I contend this, guys, that so often in our lives, if we trusted our gut, we probably would be right more times than wrong when it comes to the decisions that we make in our lives. Amen. And so for me, for me, it was, it was, it was a gut decision. It was the right place. I was one of 13 quarterbacks, but oh, wow. the, the one thing I did, I, I, I was five feet, 10 and 155 pounds. All <laughs> these guys were six foot one, six foot two, 200 pounds, throw the ball. So I went to Notre Dame one week early. I, I as a freshman, I went in one week early, met with the coaches, learned some of the plays, learned where to stand in the huddle, learned how to call the plays, got a little bit of a head start. So when all the quarterbacks got together, there was only one who really had any background in what they were doing, and that was me. And so, you know, I, I just, I created, you know, I called it a competitive edge. I mean, it was the only thing I could do because these other guys were just, you know, terrific athletes. And so, you know, I wound up being uh, my sophomore year, there was, you know, Terry Hanratty, Coley O'Brien, Bob Belden, and myself. Mm -hmm. wow. And um, and Coley had you know Coley had quarterback Notre Dame to a national championship in '66. Mm -hmm. So in '67, when I was a freshman, we played one game, and I almost got Wally Moore fired, our freshman coach. <laughs> I was I, I I claimed I could punt, okay, and anybody who watched me against the Chicago Bears knows I can't. <laughs> but I, but I claimed I could punt, and so Wally goes to Era and he says, "Hey, this kid can really kick." So we're having a scrimmage, so. Well, he says, go show him, Joe. So I got off. I think I kicked it uh, 25 yards. One was 32 yards. And after after the game, Eric came up to Wally. And he said, Wally, I think you should keep your opinions to yourself. It might be a better <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost got the coach fired for my punting. And then, of course, I, have, I, I was a record holder. I am a record holder in the National Football League. I had the shortest punt. In the history of the game against the Chicago Bears in Soldiers Field in 85, a one-yard punt. 
one that's yard. a story unto itself. But uh, <laughs> you know, we don't have enough. We'd run. We'd run into kickoff if we started telling all these stories about my failed experiments. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on 960 AM WSBT. We're with uh, Hall of Famer uh, Joe Theismann. Joe, when did you meet Era and what was that first impression like? Uh, it, it, every impression, every meeting I had with Era to me was like a papal visit. I mean, I was just in awe of the man. Uh, I met him on my trip when I went out my in 1967, beginning of the year, when I went out to the university to visit. Um, and of course, you know, I'd watch him in the tower and, you know, as a freshman. We were just we were put out there for the varsity to beat it to a pulp, which they did. <laughs> um, you know, Mike McCoy, who, you know, great All-American, yes. a terrific human being. You know, Mike remembers just wanting to knock the living crap out of me because he thought I was a mouthy little kid, which I was. <laughs> but some things don't change. OK, what can I say? But uh so, you know, and then Mike and I actually uh, used to be a, we were a, a football team together on Sundays after the games on Saturdays and after church, we'd go, we'd go out and play two on two football, but we would play the width of the field, not the length of the field. So you'd have about 30 yards. And so we'd have three different games going on. And Mike was, Mike and I were, were teammates, but um, every time I've been around, I was around era. I just, you know, I just felt in awe of the man. He had such a presence about him. I remember at his 90th birthday party when, when so many of us got together out at the university. I have a picture of me kneeling down in front of Era because he was in a chair and I you know, didn't want to look down. I wanted to look at him. And um, it, it, it's just, like I said, it was like a papal visit. It's like, let me kiss the ring, okay, uh, <laughs> while I'm here. And it, but I had, to me, he was unbelievable. And when you would get called into his office, it was like, oh my God, what did I do? What, you know, what I, and all he wanted to do was know how you were doing, how the grades were going, how the family was going. That was the extent of the conversation, but you sort of anticipated the worst. So we've had a lot of football players from your teammates, Mike McCoy being one of those, been on here numerous times, whatever. So I always got to ask everybody uh, about, so when the air was up in the tower, did you ever get a call down from the tower about something that you didn't do up to his standard? Yeah, you know, it's amazing because he had the offense on one side of the tower, the defense on the other. And I'd run a play, and I knew it was wrong. And I'd, I'd quickly glance up. You know, you're talking about somebody looking over your shoulder, right? <laughs> so I'd quickly glance up, and Error wasn't looking down. And all of a sudden, I'd get in the huddle, I'd break the huddle, and Error would say, don't make that same mistake, Joe. And I'm thinking, how did you know? How do you – we have eyes in the back of your head? I mean, he saw everything uh, from my perspective. And – of course, I, I owe an awful lot to Tom Pagna, who was our quarterback coach and coordinator Great. at that time. I mean, just an incredible human being. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've been blessed to be around some great coaches at every level, the collegiate level, the professional level. Uh, I've just been so lucky to have uh, people in my lives that were not just not just great coaches, but great people. We're with the great uh, Joe Theismann here on uh, Game Day Show on WSBT. Um you know, I started, I'm 66, so I started following Notre Dame about 64 or whatever, and I vividly remember listening. I don't think, uh, I'm not even sure if it was on TV or not. I think it was the USC game in 1970 in the monsoon. Um, what what was the discussion on the sideline about that, like at halftime, about throwing the ball or, or even before the game? I'm, I don't remember exactly when the monsoon started, but it was a deluge, which I remember. It didn't start in the beginning. It was, um, you know, the weather was, was decent, uh, 
uh, before, but before that game, you have to understand, this is how good that Notre Dame football team was. Before that game, before we played USC, we had given up no more than 14 points a game. We'd shut out three opponents. We allowed three to get seven points, three to get 14 points. Our total that year was 108 points is what the defense gave up. 38 of them against uh, USC. Mm-hmm. But in that particular game, I remember um, I'd started the year before. Um, really, my sophomore year, I started against uh, USC uh, and played my junior and senior. I only played three games my sophomore year because Terry got hurt. But I remember Era standing on the sidelines, uh, and it started to rain like heck. And he said, it looks like, you know, we were down uh, 20, 21, 7 or something. He's, he's I think we're going to have to throw every down. Well, you tell a quarterback that he's <laughs> going to have to throw every down. It's like, here's a lottery ticket you just won. <laughs> so um, we, we just threw it around all over the place. Interesting thing about that game is uh, I believe Jimmy Jones was the quarterback of the of USC Trojans. And Joe Gibbs was the offensive line coach who I ultimately wound up playing for in Washington. And Joe reminded me that Jimmy used to come to the sidelines and say, I can't hold the ball. And Joe would look out at the field. And in that game, I threw for 520 plus yards. And Joe's looking at me and he's looking at Jimmy. He's going, well, look at him. Look what he's doing. Uh, And it's, it was just, um, I've always handled a wet ball well, but it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, I weighed myself. I had 17 pounds of water and mud on me <laughs> after that game was over. And I, and keep in mind, I was about 175 pounds anyway. You know, I played, played 15 years of professional football, never weighed more than 185 pounds. Wow. You talk about handling that ball in wet, wet weather. I mean, gloves for a quarterback while throwing wasn't even a even a thing back then, was it? Never, never considered it. No, gloves for receivers wasn't considered either. Yeah, right. that's right. No, it was all it was all uh, you know, grab it and throw it or catch it, do whatever you have to do with it. But uh, <laughs> no, we didn't have gloves. We didn't we didn't have aids. I guess you could say. Can you remember your thoughts uh, running out of that tunnel on Senior Day, as the game that we're celebrating today, as Senior Day at Notre Dame? Yeah, we didn't really have a Senior Day. I don't. I don't believe it was. It was our last home game. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I I remember the first experience I had running into the stadium, and I was just awed by you know the the majestic nature of Notre Dame stadium. And I was so thrilled when we added the additions to the stadium that we kept the integrity of the original stadium and just built around it. I mean, to me, that was just, that's just phenomenal. Uh, but uh, just, the, and uh, you're in awe of this whole, of the whole thing. I, I still go back and I still walk onto that field and I look up and I, I just, I'm so proud to have been able to play on that field and be able to, to represent the university of Notre Dame. I mean, it's just, it, it's a great sense of pride for me. Joe, the, uh, we have a lot of players that in the past didn't have some of the things that like Notre Dame players have now, the, the, the turf, the jumbotron, the, the team training um, meals, the indoor facility. Is there anything that out of those would stand out that you would have liked to have had? I'm sure you would like to have all of those, but anything in particular out of all the improvements in the program? Uh, the, the, the jumbotron, I think, was, it, you know, we, it, ours looks like a little TV set. 
Okay. It was like, <laughs> it, was like <laughs> it was a little TV set, but no, I, I think that's sort of, it's really neat what they've done. I mean, the, the improvements and things they've done to the stadium to enhance the experience have just been magnificent. The, the press boxes are incredible. Um, and, and, and using so much of the stadium for the entire you know population of the university, both faculty and students get to get into the stadium. There's, you know, the weight, the, the training room. I mean, we've got, we've got 50 yards of, uh, of uh, equipment, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, run and lift and do things uh, that the student body can use. So to me, I think it, what we did at the university was great, not just for athletics, but for the entire university. We're on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show with Joe Theismann. So, Joe, how about your take on uh, this year's Fighting Irish? I know you follow them. So, uh, what's your take in general? And then, and then look at the dueling or quarterback situation, please. I wish we had three plays back against Cincinnati. That's yeah. you know, it's funny. You look at a season and everybody says, "Well, one play doesn't make a difference." I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. I think you know, with, whether it's the first game or the as we come up now on the eleventh uh, game. It doesn't matter. I've been impressed. Uh, Kevin Austin, I think, has grown into the, you know, quite the wide receiver. And uh, Tyler Buckner continues to grow at the position. Jack's done a great job coming in. You know, one of those guys that's benefited from the op- opportunity to transfer. I do think one of the big keys, obviously, uh, Kyron Williams, if he had started like he's been going now, he'd probably be in the Doak Walker conversation. Mm-hmm. But Joe Alt. Uh, the young freshman moving out to left tackle, I think, has helped this this offensive line. And of course, Michael Mayer is going to be a star. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a he's got a tremendous future. Um, and you know, uh, Bo Bauer, he, he just he's he's like an igniter. All over you know, he he really is. I mean, he's he's a young guy that it seems like he's always in the middle of something, and he's bouncing around out there. The hair's flowing, and uh, <laughs> it's it's just. <laughs> it's it's great to watch what he can do, uh, you know. And, and Kyle Hamilton, you know, is on his way to you know the next level. Uh, he's just uh, incredible. And you know, you know, Fosky is the, the reason I mentioned Isaiah is because he wears number seven, which is something right. I never thought I'd ever see. I mean, <laughs> you know, now they're doing it professional football. They're letting most guys pick a number, uh, which is so different Unheard than of, right? what of. we've seen before. You know, it's like our entire defensive line. What was it three years ago? It was three, five, seven, and nine. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just say this: when I was at Notre Dame, Bob Belden was number nine, <laughs> Terry Hanratty was number five, I was number seven, Coley O'Brien was Coley O'Brien was number three. <laughs> so, so, so now they're all defensive linemen. <laughs> well, and it gets so confusing for me from being from old school, as you see sometimes the same number on offense and defense. Well, you know, Tom Brady made that Tom Brady made that comment about professional football. He felt it was ridiculous. He said, you know, it's, it's going to be harder for people to recognize guys with you know different numbers. And I said, so my comment was, Tom, if there's a guy that's six foot four and he's 300 pounds and wearing a seven, he's still <laughs> probably a defensive lineman. Okay. <laughs> Go by size, not by number. <laughs> well, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Um, are you a score predictor guy? I know it's today. I mean, it shouldn't even be close. But Brian Kelly does not like to run up the score, even though for the bowl playoff purposes, everybody seems to say that that's what Notre Dame needs to do to get more clarity. What's your opinion on that? I don't think we need to run up the score. 
I, the way we played last week against Virginia was one of the most complete games we've played in the year. I'd love to see us get off to a fast start, uh, which is something we really haven't done. You know, we haven't thrown, I think the first two games of the year, we threw for 300 yards. Um, and after that, it's been, you know, sub 280. Um, I'd love to see us throw the ball down the field and be able to, um, you know, make some plays down the field. That's what I'd love to see out of the offense today. But we'll run it. Our, our defense is playing terrific football. I mean, the guys up front, uh, every level are playing really good football. I mean, Georgia Tech has given up a lot of yards over um, over the games. I mean, you know, their their defense is ranked 123rd, 125th in passing yards and stuff. But this game is not about Georgia Tech. This game is about Notre Dame. And, and it's – it's not just going to be the number because unless something crazy happens as we move forward, and it very well could over the next couple of weeks, you know, we have to take care of business. And this is the way I felt when I played at the university and I played professional football. We take care of ourselves. We do what we're supposed to do and we'll be okay. And let, you know, let the people who decide everything else decide what they want. But I think you want a really solid football game. You want a good football game, and there'll be a you know typical mix. I think Tommy Reese has really grown into being a, a terrific coordinator. I think he's done a great job, and of course, Marcus, um, you know, Cincinnati where he was had a terrific defense, and now you're starting to see what happens when a coach gets comfortable with his players, and the yeah. players get comfortable with the system. Absolutely. So, I, to me, it's it's um, this is a game we certainly should win. But we all know that, you know, quote unquote, that's why they play the game. Um, you just can't, you just can't look at somebody's record and say, well, you know what, we're just, we're, we're better than they are. I, I think Tampa Bay did that against the Washington football team. They rolled their helmets out on the field and felt like it was going to be a game. And all of a sudden you're in a fist, you're in a big fight and you can't get out of your own way. I think we just have to go out and be who we are and take care of business. Hey, Joe, Vince and I really uh, appreciate it. Man, we didn't even get into your post stuff. I got a list of other, other questions here. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll come back on the show with us. I want to I'm good apologize. You, I'm good. At, hey, I'm good if you want to go a little bit. Well, unfortunately, we got, you know, our sponsors. We got to hit these commercials. Oh, here. darn. Those hour. darn sponsors. So, you know, yeah. always get in the way. You got to pay I'm those bills. Your, oh, I want to give compliments to your, your longtime assistant, Sandy. She's just been the greatest to work with. So, I might Thank even you. ask Sandy if there's a chance to get you back on next week's show. We don't know what time, <laughs> only because we got so much to go over. I want to apologize though that I did not give your baseball uh, acumen enough props because you were also drafted by the Minnesota Twins in 1971 in baseball. Yep, I had a chance to be able to do that, and it was uh, it was like I said, it was my first love. Uh, I love baseball, but uh, and, and playing in Notre Dame was fun. As a matter of fact, real quick. I did play baseball at Notre Dame, but there is no evidence that I did because you cannot find a picture of me in a baseball uniform. Really? That's the craziest thing. Yes. We've How been looking happen? and looking and looking. Can't find one. Wow. No they didn't kidding. have a year so with the team pictures in it, huh? <laughs> you're just going to have to take my word for it. <laughs> uh, well, you go have a great hey guys, day with uh, your, 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 all your uh, pals there uh, in Chicago and have a blessed Thanksgiving too, please. Thank you, guys. And uh, go Irish. Go Irish. Thank you. Bye. You're on uh, the game day show with WSBT 960 AM. We'll be right back. I'm also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka, John Shaver in South Bend, Terry Clark in South Bend, or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. 
Also brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Lozier, launch your career at Lozier, apply today, life at Lozier.com. By Lechleitner Door, by Flags International on McKinley Avenue in Osceola, celebrate with team flags, customized flags, banners, and more. By Martin Supermarkets, Pet Refuge, In Rug Company Studio, and Gift Shop. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Zolman's Best Tire and Auto Care, serving you and your family for three generations, and by your local Auto Value Auto Parts store, where service is the difference. We get it. Tim? Thanks, Vince, and we'll be right back on game. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And yes, indeed, this is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. We thank all of our sponsors for making all this possible. That first hour went fast, but coming up after the top of the hour will be multimedia guru, as I call him, Lynn Clark, along directly from Dublin, Ireland, where it's about five hours ahead. Declan Hughes, who's the radio connection with Lynn, hosts a sports and a football show in Dublin. We'll also catch up with former Notre Dame and NFL linebacker Rocky Boyman. And we'll have our weekly feature, Key Bank Keys to the Game. We hope you'll stay right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT, or via the WSBT radio app, or streamed at WSBTradio.com. Go Irish! So that's Daughtry with another home song as we greet you again for our second hour of a game day on Senior Day at Notre Dame. Glad you're with us. Matt Embry is producing back in the WSB studios. Kudos, Matt. Thank you. We're less than four hours from kickoff right here on WSBT, so you can stay right here because immediately following our game day show at 11 a.m. will be Game Day Sports Beat with Darren Pritchett and Sean Sires, and that will lead into the network pregame show, then kickoff just after 2.30 p.m. And your coverage is not over when the game ends. After the game, join Sean Styers and Evan Sharpley for a review of the game, plus all the stats and interviews on the official Notre Dame post-game show, all here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So actually, after we get done with us right now, some people I know that I look out are putting Christmas decorations up. So keep WSBT on or your football fan all day long, and maybe that'll make that Christmas-like project, which I'll have to admit, it's not one of my favorite things to do. No. Um, and I feel like Clark, I'm not like Clark Griswold whatsoever at all. It used to be years ago, but not anymore. Uh, I don't know that I uh, – once I get into it, I like I want to make it look good, but getting me out there is is the struggle. And, frankly, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet, so it's a little right. early for me. I'm one of those people. I, I'm not the November 1st uh, Christmas nope. people. Um, I, you know, it, the earliest I'm putting it out is Black Friday, uh, if that even exists anymore. I don't really think it does. But, uh, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Our sister station, Sunny's, started Christmas music already. I know. like that, but not me. I'm Not, not me. me either. I, I, I will celebrate all of December, but that's it for me. <laughs> hey, Matt, you got the cue there by chance at the last minute for um, we're going to talk playoffs here. Moving on up, come on, Vince. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. <laughs> All right, so that was a, that was I was putting Matt on spot the last minute. So we did move up one spot. One so spot. Your 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 take on what calamity do we want to see happen today? 
Well, I mean, look, you, you obviously you want anybody that's ahead of you to lose. Um, I, and there's there's a case to be made. The, the interesting one for me, the case to be made for Notre Dame is uh, the Michigan State Ohio State game. Uh, you know, do you want Ohio State to win? Do you want Michigan State to win? It depends on how you look at it. The first way I look at it is I think I want Ohio State to win because if I'm Michigan State wins, I think that they win out, and I yep. think that they're going to be above Notre Dame. So if you right. want true chaos, if you want everybody to lose a game i think that you need michigan state to lose today right and then i think you need uh you know i think you need ohio state to beat michigan as well right. so that drops both of them out yep and i hate and to then, say that i'm rooting for ohio state two games in a row but i know <laughs> but but then you need then you need wisconsin yes to step up and win the big 10 championship if that happens there's no big 10 team in in the final four in my opinion Plus that ups uh, Notre Dame's rep on schedule. Opponents. Absolutely, because you beat, and stuff too. You beat a conference you. champ. You beat a I'm conference champ. So right. the other thing that I think Notre Dame fans need to really keep an eye on is Oklahoma State. They're one spot behind Notre Dame, and they've got Oklahoma most likely twice uh, coming up. And so if, if you're looking for chaos, right, you mm -hmm. want them to split those two games. You, you want Oklahoma State to win a game. You want Oklahoma to win a game. And then, they're, and then the Big 12 is out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so that's how you're going to eliminate conferences that are ahead of you, right? You you need those guys to split. You need Wisconsin to beat Ohio State. You need Ohio State to beat Michigan and Michigan State. So then the Big Ten and the Big Twelve are out. Then if you're really looking for more chaos, Cincinnati plays uh, SMU this weekend. Mm -hmm. Right. That's going to be a tough game for Cincinnati. Cincinnati uh, has not played overly well over the last three or four weeks, and SMU can score the football. Um, so that's going to be a very interesting game. Obviously, you want Cincinnati to lose uh, as well at some point. They're going to play Houston, I think, Houston twice. And they're going to play SMU. Those are three tough games for Cincinnati. Cincinnati does not have an easy stretch here down the, down the road. Uh, so they're going to have to be careful. And then the final one that you want uh, that, that has the possibility of happening, right, is Oregon-Utah. Uh, Oregon play, play them twice, right? That's absolutely correct. So Oregon plays Utah at Utah, and and if you're into the whole Vegas thing and and the lines and all that, Oregon is actually a three point underdog in this game. So if that holds true and Oregon loses this game, I think they're out as well because then their losses are to Utah and Stanford, and they don't really have a leg to stand on, even though their best win is against Ohio State. But they're going to have two losses, so they're probably out. Okay, so. If that all happens, if all of that chaos reigns supreme, Notre Dame's <laughs> probably in uh, right. to the to the college football playoff. So, so Georgia and Alabama don't play regular season. So Correct. They're, they're going to play, play in the SEC the championship. championship. Yes. And then we need Georgia to beat Alabama and beat them good. Uh, yes, I would. They agree tend with to want to put because they tend to want to put Alabama in there with two oh, losses. Absolutely. I swear they put them in there with five losses. That's just well. If it's a close loss in the SEC championship, I think Alabama becomes the first two-loss team to make the college football playoff, uh, which would be – depends on the argument that you want to take. You know, they lost two games, yes, but are they still better than most of the teams in the top ten? Probably. Um, so if you're just looking for the four best teams, then maybe that's an argument that you could make. But they've lost twice, so are they the one of the best teams? You know what I mean. So, depends on what side of the argument that you want to be on, obviously. But somebody, somebody put forth uh, a scenario the other day to me that they are predicting the Final Four to be Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, 
and Notre Dame. Hmm. That means that one Power Five conference is represented in the Final Four, which would make people's heads absolutely explode. So, you know, that, I mean, if you're, if you're a fan of chaos, one conference represented in the final four would do it for you. I mean, that, that would be it because the SEC would have two teams. You'd have a non-power five in Cincinnati, and then you'd have an independent in Notre Dame. People's heads would absolutely explode if that happened. Well, that might be fun to watch, I guess. Well, look, I mean, college football is is awesome, first of all. And I mean, chaos has has reigned supreme all season. I mean, Mm -hmm. there has been every weekend there's been some sort of an upset that has just shaken, you know, everything. Um, As far as Notre Dame is concerned, if everything plays out how it most likely will play out, I would say if the favorites win and all that stuff, uh, you know, Notre Dame will move up one spot. Um, but here again, here's the problem. If Oklahoma state, I believe they're playing Texas tech, uh, mm-hmm. this weekend, Texas tech is not a great football team. I mean, their their radio announcers just got, uh, suspended for this game for <laughs> complaining about the officials. So they can't even participate in today's game. But well, if that uh, standard was held, there'd be a lot of uh, announcers. Off well, I think, I think they'll, I think the Texas tech guys went a little, a little bit too far with what they were saying, but yeah. You're right. I, I at first when I saw that, I thought it was ridiculous. But when you call out the Big Twelve commissioner by name, and oh. then you start reading the names of the uh, the officials that are on the field, uh, you read off their names and say how bad they are. I think oh, you kind of cross the line. But uh, but look, Oklahoma State should win, and they should win big uh-huh. tonight or today. Uh, if Notre Dame goes out and just wins by a little bit over Georgia Tech, get passed. Right, the, the Cowboys could pass them up. You know, mm-hmm. even even though Notre Dame wins. So that's why and I'm not necessarily saying style points, but going out and doing your job and winning the game by the margin that you should win the game is important, is very, very important, because I would not be overly surprised if Oklahoma State jumped Notre Dame, if Notre Dame doesn't go out and handle their business the way they should. Well, we shall see. And that first game is real early. It's a noon start for Ohio State and Michigan State. Yeah, that, I, and oh. that's why. I I love what the Big Ten has done with Fox and and they kind of put their big games at noon. That that is a stroke of genius by mm-hmm. whoever makes those decisions. Their their biggest game is at noon, um, and that way you get a lot of eyeballs on those games. I realize it's nine o'clock over on the West Coast, but yeah, the West Coast even watching Big Ten makes us be on seven o'clock in the morning too. Yeah, right. So you know. <laughs> I'm okay with it, uh, you know, since I'm obviously in the big, uh, in, in Big Ten country, I guess. But I love the fact that their big game is at noon. You, you roll up, you watch a pregame show, and boom, you're into a great game. And uh, if you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you most likely get to watch most of that game, even if it's a home Notre Dame game, right? I mean, because the games usually start around three thirty, so you're going to get to watch that whole game before Notre Dame even hits the field. And if it happens to be a night game for Notre Dame, you're getting all kinds of college football to watch. So. Uh, I love the big noon game on Fox. That 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 gets me all fired up every day or every week, I should say. That's Vince. I'm Tim. <clears throat> We're on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. And Matt, go ahead and hit it. All right, it's our regular feature. Put me in, Coach. So we're going to drop our football expertise guru. I use a guru a lot today, so. Uh, <laughs> and then that quarterback today. So Vince, your quarterback. 
today. What are you going to see? What do you want to do against the Georgia Tech defense? Well, look, this this Georgia Tech defense is not great. Um, in, in the games that I've watched preceding this game, so Georgia Tech's games, it always appears that the outside receivers are getting loose. And what that means is they're getting wide open. They're, they're turned loose by the defense. They're wide open. Quarterbacks are able to find those guys for big plays. Our, our, our old buddy Phil Dracovic from, uh, from Notre Dame, who's now at Boston College, I mean, he was putting on a display uh, last week against Georgia Tech. And, and I mean, the, the long ball was just all over the place. I mean, he, he threw for a bunch of, of scores. He ran for a bunch of scores. He was on fire. Uh, you know, is that the Georgia Tech defense or is that the uh, is that Phil Jakovic on offense? I think it's a little more of the Georgia Tech defense. Um, but guys are going to get loose. So Jack Cohn just needs to sit in the pocket. He needs to go through his reads and just needs to spread the ball out because this is going to be an opportunity for Notre Dame fan or for Notre Dame skill players to have a great game. I, I think Braden Lindsey, I think, you know, Kevin Austin, Deion Colsey, those outside receivers. They're going to have opportunities where they're going to be running wide open. So it's up to Jack Cohn to find those guys and put it on them. Let those guys go out and make plays and then spread the ball around. Kyron Williams has has an amazing opportunity to uh, have a great game here. Yeah, Georgia Tech, they run a three down front. So that's three defensive linemen. You're inviting the run, man. You're inviting the run. And uh, I think... I think you know Kyron Williams is going to have a great game, not only out of the backfield, but also as a slot receiver. We've seen his receiving skills, you know, over the past few games. You know, he he's it, it's a travesty that he is not on a, a finalist for the uh, the Doak Walker Award, the best running back in college football. I don't know who's making those decisions, but they're clearly not watching all of the great running backs that are in college football. So all they're looking at is stats and his average 89 yards a game doesn't does not tell his story whatsoever. Well, and, you know, the first half of the season, the offensive line wasn't doing him any favors, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's a shame that he's not in that conversation. So this is an opportunity. And look, Kyron Williams plays with a chip on his shoulder, and I expect him to play with that very large size chip right on his shoulder today and and really have a good game so um it, it's going to be up to jack cone make sure he's distributing the ball those rpos that they've been running a lot lately right those run pass options they're going to be wide open he's going to have his pick of the litter whether to hand it off to kyron williams or or chris tyree or logan diggs whoever happens to be lined up behind him or beside him or throw the ball to his myriad of wide receivers um it, it's going to be it should be a fun game offensively I expect Notre Dame to score some points. If they can replicate what they did in the first half, uh, you know, against, <clears throat> excuse me, against Virginia, I thought that was some of the most creative play mm-hmm. calling um, that like Tommy Reese has had all it's like season. He hit his stride, right? He hit I his stride offensive coordinator. It was beautiful. Now, they took their foot off the gas in the second half, and I think that hurt them. But if they can do that the entire game of the, the way they did the first half, just go out and score. And then, you know, it's not running up the score if you put your second team in, but still run the offense, right? right? Put Tyler Buckner in, put Drew Pine in, put all the second guys in, but still run the offense, still run your RPOs, still be aggressive in your play calling. You know, you put your second, your third guys in. That's okay, you know, but run it. So that's what I want to see today. And I I think Jack Cohn can be that guy. And I I think when Tyler Buckner gets in, I think he can be that guy, uh, you know, in spurts. And so... Uh, I think this could be a fun game if you like points from Notre Dame. Yeah, and I, I'm with you too about, you know, it's not run up the score, but get to the point you're comfortable enough to put all these other players in. It's an invaluable experience to play in a game 
They just absolutely. Been, Brian hasn't played now in a game for like what five, four or five, right? Eight, six at he, all. He's and the Buckner, forgotten man. Maybe Buckner can just run a number of series, run a whole drive or two or something like that. But uh, you know, and then keeping in some. I mean, we're so slim on on receivers and uh, running a lot of different positions. That well, if you can get those starters out of there and give them some break and a uh, little bit of time. Well, and it's and it's senior day too, so obviously Notre Dame is going to want to get if they can, if they, they're going to want to get some seniors in the game who don't normally see playing time, and you know all of those different opportunities. And uh, you, you'd like Notre Dame to be in a comfortable situation towards the end of the game where they can do that. But again, run your offense. You know, mm-hmm. run your offense. Don't just you know tighten it up, go 12, 13 personnel, and run the ball. You know, run your offense, spread the <clears> ball around. Let's have some fun. Let's be aggressive. You just made me think of something I've never ever thought about. But you know how like basketball teams. Uh, a senior, even if they're seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth man, they usually start out of respect on senior day or whatever. Does that happen in football? No, not usually. I, was say, I don't never remember. No, that it usually comes at the end of the game, like that kind okay. of thing, cameo right. appearance. Um, I, I think it's it's easier in basketball to hide a guy uh, mm-hmm. if you need to at the beginning of a game. Uh, than it is in football. In football, you need all 11. I mean, all 11 need to do their job in order for it to be successful. And I'm not saying that those guys can't do the job, but they're walk-ons for a reason, right? I mean, there's scholarship players that are ahead of them on the depth chart for a reason, and you need all tw- all 11 guys on the field to do their job and to do it at a high level. So um, I-, I don't necessarily have a problem. That's an interesting perspective. I never really thought of it that way. But I haven't uh, either. All of a sudden, just when you were talking all the seniors, everything, I've never thought. I mean – there could be a whole lot. I mean, you could be putting in, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 players on a football team that could be all seniors that aren't starters. Sure. And I and I think it's a bigger deal in basketball to be a quote-unquote starter uh, <laughs> because you've got, you know, the starting announcements when the lights are down and the yeah. fireworks and all that fun stuff. I think that it's a little bit different than for football because there's, there's games where Notre Dame starts one tight end. There's games where they start two tight ends. There's games where they start two running back. You know what I mean? So – depending on the, the game plan and things that you want to do, it's not necessarily the same 11 starters every single game uh, in football. So uh, it's a little bit different, but a very interesting perspective. I never thought about that. What, um, I mean, we're for sure that uh, Kyle Hamilton's going, you want to list any odds that Kyron's going to? Uh, if I was going to be on a, I'll do a Sean Styers scale of one to 10. Um, <laughs> I, it, 10 being him leaving, one being him staying. Uh, it's an 11. Uh, I don't, I don't see, look, as a running back, mm-hmm. um, you only have so many years. That limited time, right. Yeah. And especially these days in the NFL where they're running <laughs> with two, three running backs in a game, um, you need to strike while the iron's hot. And I don't think it gets any hotter for Kyron Williams than it is right now, especially if he finishes off the next two to three to four games, depending um, the way we think that he's going to, mm-hmm. his stock will never be higher there. there if he's, if he's on pace to get his degree, which I believe that he is, uh, there is absolutely no reason to stick around. Uh, go college. The whole point of college is to get you ready for your career, right? Right. Well, Kyron, your career is going to be in the NFL. So, you know, go do your thing. Go do your post, uh, post-grad post stuff. And, and you know, as much as I would love to have Kyron Williams back in the backfield in 22, I, ha- I would be – Lord shocked and flabbergasted uh, if he decided to come back for his senior year. You know, there's a lot of NFL teams that need running backs. Seems like this year, oh, absolutely, a lot, of, a lot of them. Absolutely, and he's he's a three down back, right? He can come yeah. in first and second down, run between the tackles, and he can be in there on third down and catch the ball out of the backfield. So right. he's a guy that's almost like a two to two and one, 
right? He's a guy that 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 can be on the field all the time, and um, that's a guy that you covet if you're in the NFL. And you know, running backs aren't necessarily taken high in the draft either. So mm-hmm. you know, this is an opportunity for him to find a team, you know, find a depth chart that he likes, and and go make some uh, go make some hay in the NFL. All right. Well, we're going to be right back on uh, game day with uh, former Notre Dame and NFL linebacker Rocky Boyman on Sports Radio 960 WSBT and streaming at WSBTradio.com. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And your Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, your heating and clean air specialist. Find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Edward Jones making sense of investing. Contact Ryan Hale in South Bend, Jerry Hunt in South Bend, uh, Leo E. Premer in South Bend, or Jim Hipschman in Mishawaka. Mike Fisher's Barbecue and Catering at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. My Four Winds Casino, are you ready for your next escape? Experience the excitement at Four Winds Casinos with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots, a variety of table table games, including live poker. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years or older. Please play responsibly. By Key Bank. Key Bank opens a key smart checking account today. KeyBank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. KeyBank is member FDIC. By Mimos on Edison in Mishawaka. If you like pizza, you'll love Mimos Manja Manja. By Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. Authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedic Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Wings, etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michigan area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. The, by the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973. <coughs> and by Salsa's Mexican Grill. Share good times and great food. Hello. This football season at Salsa's Mexican Grill. Tim, hello, back hello, to you. Hello, hey, hello. thank you. Thank you. And we're joined by our next uh, guest. We'd like to check in with him every couple of years at least. He's always a, a favorite, and he's nice enough to join us today for a little bit before he calls a game. And let's check in with uh, former Notre Dame linebacker and NFL linebacker Rocky Boyman. Rocky, good morning. Hey, guys. How are we doing this morning? We're doing we're doing great. How about you? Doing great. Doing great. I'm here in uh, Knoxville uh, right now at the uh, South Alabama at uh, – uh, UT game here at 7.30 tonight. Should be going. So how has your season of games been? It's been great. You know, we've had we've had some nice games. Um, you know, we've had the uh, Boston College uh, upset Missouri in their own place and still in the field. That was exciting. We had um, Iowa State, Kansas State was a good game. Uh, what did we have last week? They all run together, Tim, as the, as the uh, season <laughs> gets closer and closer. Okay. Now we had, uh, we had Northwestern and Wisconsin uh, last week, which started off pretty good and then uh wisconsin which i'll tell you what Notre Dame, i think is is happy they got that wisconsin team early in the season because right now they are hitting on all cylinders they found their run game and 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 i think their success is going to you know help notre dame down down the line here is i think i I think they're going to want to be in the big 10 championship game and i think ohio state may have a hard time with them but nonetheless no it's been a good year and uh a lot of good games and uh, it's been fun real fun season 
So let's talk about the playoffs. As uh, Earlier, we were talking about that chaos scenario, and one of the big uh, things that would have to work out for Notre Dame would be Wisconsin get in that final game and put a second loss on Ohio State after they beat Michigan and Michigan State. What's your perspective on the playoffs? So I, I think, first of all, there's, I mean, my first comment is that there's really only one clear dominant team in football, and that's, of course, Georgia, right? I mean, they're right. they're the clearly far and away dominant team. And usually in past seasons, most past seasons, there's like three or four teams where you're like, okay, these guys are clearly the best. And then there's the second rung, and then it kind of depends on how it all plays out. So I think because of that, um, I, I think there's room for a lot of chaos and, and frankly, room for a, a lot of, you know, potential of some other teams that we normally don't see in the playoffs. I mean, I, obviously you see, um, you know, Cincinnati, which is my hometown. Um, I, I think they are in a, in a really good spot right now. I, I think they went out. I, I think they're in. I think they went out. They probably need um, Oregon to lose today uh, to Utah or possibly again to Utah in the, in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I think you want a, a two-loss Pac-12 championship uh, right. team to, to not have them in. Uh, so I think they have a shot. I mean, obviously, you know, Notre Dame, I think, still has an outside shot. I mean, they need some help and need some things to happen. They would need, you know, what, they need Alabama to lose to Georgia and the SEC championship and a few things. But um, other than that, I think it's a uh, potential to maybe get some new blood in that thing this year. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, everybody loves chaos anyway and stuff, too. What time does your game start today? 7.30, 7.30 p.m. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get you in and get you in out of here. It is senior day at Notre Dame today. What do you remember about your senior day at Notre Dame? I remember being frustrated. I gotta be honest. I'll, I'll tell you point blank because uh, you know it was a frustrating year um, for us. You know, obviously, what we win five, six games, whatever it was, and um, you know, so as a kid that grew up wanting to go to Notre Dame his whole life, dreaming about winning a championship, and and being someone that helped deliver that, that you know, it kind of became apparent you know, on senior day that. Obviously, that, that wasn't going to happen. And, you know, my four years, we had a couple good seasons and, and a couple bad seasons. My, in my senior year, of course, uh, being the one that, uh, you know, Bob Davey obviously got fired after the, uh, the Purdue game. Um, so I was a little frustrated with that. I was a little frustrated with how I was played, um, uh, you know, just in, in, in terms of the scheme uh, that particular season. But so I was a little bit frustrated. But, uh, you know, look, it was, and we, we played Navy, we won. I had a sack in the game. And um, so it was, it, it was neat to, you know, obviously the night before seeing my parents at the pep rally and, and doing all that sort of thing. But I, I guess it was just kind of a little bit bittersweet because, you know, you, you blink your eye and that thing's over. You know what I mean, Tim? Like, it's just, a, you, you dream of going there and, and you enjoy it so much and there's some heartache involved in it, but then you look around and it's, it's over. And, uh, you, you know, you're, you know, coming into that season, you're not going to play from Notre Dame ever again. So it was, uh, it was great. Um, but it was a little bit bittersweet. I appreciate you being candid about that because, you know, it seems like when I'm always uh, talking to people on senior day, you know, the team's good, they're winning, there's a lot of, but they still have their emotions about graduating. It really had to be tough for you because it was a frustrating season on top of the last time you're running out of that tunnel. It was, you know, it was just, it was just one of those seasons, if you recall, and you got to go way, way back, but you know, in, in 2000, in the 2000 season, you know, that's the one we went to the, uh, the Fiesta Bowl and, before we got drilled by Oregon State, but uh, other than that, that was a successful year. Uh, I, I still uh, you know, wake up at night uh, with uh, 
nightmares of not beating Nebraska in that second game of the season, the one that went into overtime. But uh, maybe one day I'll get over it. But uh, I'm, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, yeah, so coming back my senior year, you know, thought we had a pretty decent team, and uh, it turned out that uh, it wasn't the case. And um, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's because uh, you you know there's there's no going back. That that's it. And uh, you know, but uh, all you can do is you know is just move forward. That's all you can do. We're with uh, Rocky Boyman uh, on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show here on WSBT nine sixty uh, AM. So um, going into the pros, then did you have any inkling of how high you were going to go or who might be going to draft you yeah i i you know just in talking with my agent just kind of feeling out everything he, uh you know we all kind of thought that fourth round somewhere in that maybe late third but likely fourth round in the fifth round uh or so would would be where i would go and it turned out that's where i went i went in the uh the end of the fourth round there to the titans um it, it's funny because I, I would not have guessed they would have been a team that that would have drafted me. You know, they uh, I, I would have thought that the team that showed the most interest in me uh, were uh, Kansas City, uh, Baltimore, and, and even Chicago. So I would have thought it would have been one of those. Just in you know, because I remember Lovey Smith came in Notre Dame and gave me a private workout uh, as he was a DC of the Bears then. Um, and then at the combine, uh, Dick Vermeil, head coach of Kansas City, more or less told me they were going to draft me. It was just a matter of when. So then all of a sudden, when the phone rings on draft day and it's a 615 area code, and uh, you know it's uh, on the other end, it's uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, it, it was a surprise, but it was a wonderful surprise because you know we we had some good teams early in my career there. Nashville is an amazing city, and it's a city that really loves their football. You know, kind of like uh, like you know the, the rabid fans and the way fans. Uh, at Notre Dame, love their team. You know what I mean? So uh, it was a great thing, one of the greatest days of my life, getting drafted there uh, back in 2002. So do you have um, – I know you play for a number of different teams, but on, on Sunday when you're watching pro football, is, is Tennessee the, your, the team that you're rooting for on NFL days? Yeah, I, you know, it's um, – and also the Colts, you know what I mean, which is tough because they're both in the same division, but that's where the majority of my career was. Uh, six of my eight years were with uh, those two teams, um, So, which is good because I get to kind of be a bandwagon fan. If the Colts are doing better, I jump there, and if the Titans are doing better, <laughs> I jump over there, So, which is kind of the case right now. I think Titans might be – might be uh, the strongest team serving the AFC. So, um, uh, yeah, but it's um, it, it's fun watching those two teams and – it's so hard to believe it was. I mean, God, we're getting ready to be, uh, you know, 20 years ago that that was first drafted. So, do you root the first half uh, for one team and then the second half for the other team when they play each other <laughs> twice a year? There, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's, you know, just, just sit back and watch. And, you know, of course, all the, you know, players and coaches I had are, are, are gone. But, you know, when you see uh, Jim Ursay, who's the owner of the Colts and stuff, uh, it's just kind of neat. It brings back a few memories there. So, it's pretty fun. So what's your take as uh, not only a, a player, but a uh, analyst, too, of all the big changes in college football, the different you know, possible conferences, super conference, uh, the NIL and everything? Um, let's just start one at a time. How about NIL? What's your opinion of that? Um, I, I don't I, – I, I'm still waiting to see if that's going to be a good thing for the locker room. I know it's good for the kids, and, and, and I understand all that, but uh, I, I don't I, – does it – and again, it's just the first year, so we don't know. But how does that affect the locker room? How does it affect right. the locker room when, you know, a couple guys are getting NIL deals and, you know, 80, 90 other guys are, are not? I, I haven't heard it's been an issue, but again, we're just still not even one year into this thing. 
Um, I, I, I often look at it just to kind of be devil's advocate. I mean, you look at some of the problems or some of the issues in the country right now, right? And, and if you ask people what, what's some of the, the toughest things that, that's, you know, people in the country are dealing with, you'd say it'd be, you know, college loan debt, right? A lot of people are crippled. They're in their 30s still trying to repay these college loans. So you look at a, a guy who gets a scholarship, and now all of a sudden you're starting life at age 21 or 22 with a clean slate. Man, what a what a blessing that is, right? I mean, I think we at least got to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that that's something, a, a huge blessing for people to have in life that most people don't have. They're, you know, they're, they're having to kind of postpone some things in their life to pay off some of this college loan debt. So, um, you know, as, as long as, you know, it doesn't become a distraction to the, the team, I, I guess I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I think it's, better to do it that way than have, you know, the NCAA pay these guys. I, I think that, uh, you know, at, at least it's, you know, if a car dealership wants to pay a guy 2,500 bucks to sign autographs, I, I don't, I don't have any problem. With that. Well, you echo kind of what, right. Vince, Tony Rice told us a couple of weeks ago, he thinks it's going to be a few people um, are going to get the big bucks and that is going to sure. cause problems in the locker room or, or, or on the team in dissension or just jealousy. Yeah. And, and what you're seeing now is, is kind of was, a little bit surprising that you know these early NIL deals that they included some of the you know the the lesser players. So you know, like Arkansas, for instance, some uh, some rest, barbecue restaurant I think gave an NIL deal to to all the offensive line, and you know what I mean. So you know, I would have anticipated it would have been just the top top guys, right? The top quarterback, maybe you know the you know Kyle Hamilton, right? Those, those kind of guys get get those things you don't really see that but i, I think I, I think that was kind of a, a product of this is something new and everybody's going to talk about it so it's going to it's going to be a good thing as, as it becomes kind of second nature that teams are getting these or players are getting these nil deals i, I don't think a company is going to see any return on investment of giving money to you know the, the third string quarterback or, i mean it's just the fact of life i, I think it's eventually going to go back to what we all think it is going to be which is uh, one or two guys, three guys are going to be getting some money to, because they're household names. Uh, and other than that, frankly, you know, these, they're not, these players that aren't household names are not going to give any return on investment for a lot of these companies. Tim and Vince on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. We're with former uh, Irish linebacker and color analyst Rocky Boyman. Uh, let's go to, to, I don't know, how how much do you get to see of Notre Dame? Do you have a lot of conflicts where you're calling games the same time Notre Dame's on? Yeah, you know, a lot of do, but I try to check them out, obviously, when I can. You know, I watched, uh, you know, of course, watched the Notre Dame UC game, watched them. And so I check out, you know, I try to catch them whenever I can. And sometimes it's just highlights, or maybe I can go back and watch a condensed version of the game. But uh, been really impressed with, with how they've kind of come together early in the season. I mean, obviously, look, when you lose four offensive linemen to the NFL, that's the most important position group in terms of continuity in, in all of football, right? All of a sudden you're putting four new guys in there. There's going to be some, some, some growing pains with that a little bit, but I thought the USC game, what I saw that, that was kind of the first game where it looked like the offensive line was, was working together and, and they looked to be playing really, really well. And, and now I think, um, you know, here we are late in the season when you want to get hot and want to be playing your best football. I think they are. Um, would you like to see, um, college realignment with big super conferences? I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of up in the air. I mean, let me just say this. When 
Everyone's talking about Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. I'm trying to figure out who, who benefits from that. Honestly, does, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, why, why wouldn't Oklahoma and Tennessee, or excuse me, Oklahoma and Texas want to stay in the Big 12? Well, they have a chance to win that and be in the playoffs every single year. Now you're going to go in the SEC and battle it out with Alabama, Georgia, LSU, who's down this year, but they're going to be good. Auburn's always good. Florida's going to be back. Like, why would you want to? I, I don't understand that. And then if you're some of those other schools, if you are Auburn, who, you know, every like four years has a really good team and has a shot at it, they got to be pissed off. They got to be like, wait a minute, why, why are we bringing these other teams in here? And, and, and at the end, okay, so you say it's money, right? Money. Well, the, these boosters have so, so I, I think it's going to make Oklahoma and Texas like another, I don't know, say $15 million. They can go to a booster and make with one phone call can make 15 million bucks. So I, I don't really see, I, I guess they're looking at it like, Hey, this is what's going to happen down the future. And we got to kind of get in now, but in, in, in the, in the present, I don't, I don't really see who all benefits. I think we're, I think it is definitely going to go to the super conference thing. Um, it, it, it's, I'm going to, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it all works out it really is. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting time. The next five years for the playoff system, College uh, conferences and everything is really going to be interesting. A number of years ago, I think you had the opportunity to call on radio or do a color analyst uh, for one of the Notre Dame games. Do I remember that right? In one of the um, bowl games? Yeah, I did. I did a radio. I, well, yeah, I did um, on TV. I did the um, oh God, I was at Bowl in Orlando against LSU. I did that one. And then I did a, a radio game. I did Notre Dame USC uh, out uh, in the Coliseum. That was a couple years ago. I know you're a professional, but is that difficult covering your old team? <laughs> uh, it's funny because you, you often think like, you know, yeah, you got to, gotta, you know, it, it, how are people viewing this? But no, look, I, I've been doing this long enough. And, and, and I think I, I call a game, you know, I try to celebrate the kids and I point out what maybe they be doing or, or aren't doing so well. But I like to try to highlight the things they are doing well, whether that's a Notre Dame kid or a kid from another school. So it's, it can be a little challenging, but, uh, you know, it, it, it ain't too bad. When did you know that you were uh, uh, going to be doing announcing or going into that in that realm? Did you ever consider yeah. that or did you consider it coaching or something? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I didn't I, – I wanted to play football. I mean, when I was young and when I was at Notre Dame, I, you know, that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play football, period, end of story. And, uh, and, and I was blessed to be able to do that for eight years. And you start thinking about toward the end of your – uh, career, what you may want to do. And, and, and I mean, it's funny because all growing up, I never thought about going into broadcasting and doing any of that, but I, I knew, you know, late in my, in my NFL career, yeah, you start to think about things a little bit. I, I liked the idea of going into coaching, but what I didn't, cause you know, cause I felt, you know, I, I, I know the game and, you know, the ins and outs and I, and I think I can, I'm pretty good at, at teaching people the game, but I, I didn't, I was at a point in my NFL career we're like the, the you know the the previous the, the past three seasons I was in three different places right I was here and I was at camp there and then I have to move here and I was kind of done with the transient lifestyle and one thing I know is if you're a coach in college or the NFL you're going to be moving your family around the country a lot and just at that point in my life Tim I, I wanted some roots I wanted a family I wanted to kind of anchor down because I wasn't I was kind of here there everywhere and so that's why I didn't really go into and you know kind of lean into coaching but the broadcasting thing was again the 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 product of I felt like I was someone who knew the game I studied the game and and I was and I knew that if you know like anything in in life if if I 
I knew if I had worked hard enough at something, I, I would be able to do it. And it, it would intrigue me enough. Um, I, in terms of broadcasting, I, I like, I really like doing the games. I, I like doing the games, number one, because I think it's harder. I, I think anybody can get up on the desk and say, oh, they got to run the ball and play better defense. I mean, what, what is that? Right. But, but I think you really got to be good at what you're doing to, to call a game and to, to be good in the big moments of the game and kind of explain to the viewer or the listener what's going on and that kind of thing. And I, and I take pride of, I think I do a good job at that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'll do it, something I'm going to do for the next 25 years. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I, I enjoy doing it right now and, um, come a long way. You know what I mean? I, I, I wasn't a, I was a good player, but I wasn't a Heisman trophy winner. I wasn't a pro bowler. I wasn't a quarterback. Right. I mean, how many you know, linebacker analysts do you can you name in, in the country right now? Not a lot, right? So I, it's a, I think it's a product of of me being relentless and and, and just getting better and, and working my way up the ladder here, and it, it's worked out pretty well. Well, don't don't shortchange yourself. We remember you. So the, your play, your play, and I've listened to some of your games that the, you've been uh, color on. You do you do a great great job, and I think you bring. Thank you. No, you're welcome. You you bring something to the game and everything too. Let me ask you before we close out here. Any football players in your family coming along? Well, I got. That's why you say that. I got, I got three sons. Now they're seven, uh, three, and one. But my seven-year-old played football this year, and, and I've I, I coached, which was it was great. <laughs> but but I I you know I, I coached on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I, I couldn't. I was only able to be at two games because you know on Saturdays I'm gone, right? Which killed sure. me. But um, my son uh, played pretty well for his first year. First couple, you know, he was kind of the biggest and fastest kid on the team, but it wasn't really clicking. And I'm like, what's going on? Is this kid not going to play? What is it? And then it was like fourth, fifth game of the season. It kind of clicked for him. And, you know, he's playing running back and quarterback and linebacker. And uh, he, he's he's doing pretty well. So he's got a, I mean, he's certainly got a long way to go, but he loves it. He's got some talent at it. He, he really, really loves it. I mean, he really loves it, which is, uh, I mean, the best the best news a dad could have like me, right? So, oh, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's it's fun, uh, you know, coaching him and, and seeing him work and see what see what's going to happen with him. You never know. Maybe he'll end up at Notre Dame one day. Boy, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would be. Would be. Actually, Bobby Brown's on with us about every year, and you know, he's we keep talking about his kids. Plus, I'm on Facebook friend with him. His kids all over Facebook or whatever, right? Because he's the quarterback, yeah. and he makes sure the quarterback gets it to the, all the wide receivers, right? He's going to make sure yeah. he's out there working with them. So. And nothing, nothing better than out there. I've had the privilege of coaching my kids in sports. Nothing better. Vince has been a coach for a long time at different levels. So, you know, there's nothing better than seeing kids out there competing like that. So, absolutely. Well, and, and he's got somebody to really take uh, uh, take as a, a good idol. I mean, we all idolize our dad, but you as a football player, that's a great example for him to move forward with. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll, we'll, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good deal. So you have a great game today, and thank you for squeezing us in. You know, we really appreciate talking to you. Have a great weekend, a good call, and a blessed Thanksgiving. Well, well listen, guys, thanks very much. It's always a pleasure being on with you. I think you guys do a great job. And uh, let's, uh, you know, let's finish this thing out and go Irish, all right? Go Irish. Thanks. Thank you. See you guys. Thank Patrick you. Boyman here on this Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. We'll- this is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day with Tim Grell and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Heating and Air Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Your clean, your heating and clean air specialist. That's important today. Heating. Uh, find them online at Legacy Heating and Air Inc. 
Edwardsjones.com. Also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Eric Yetterberg in South Bend, Matt Stem in Osceola, Matt Wilson in South Bend, Pablo Rodriguez in Granger, Sean Stevens in South Bend, or Bob Borlick in North Liberty. Also brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun, by Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, by Lozier, on, uh, launch your career at Lozier, apply today, life at Lozier.com, by Leck Leitner Door, by Flags International on McKinley Avenue in Osceola, celebrate with team flags, customized flags, banners, and more, by Martin Supermarkets, Pet Refuge, in rug co company or in rug co studio and gift shop by tim growl state farm insurance by zolman's best one tire and auto care serving you and your family for three generations and by your local auto value auto parts store where service is the difference we get it tim boy who's the guy who picks out all the music on here man this is some good music so <laughs> uh... anyway we're back on the legacy heating air game day show and now it's time for our weekly feature the key bank keys to the game Get a KeyBank smart checking account. KeyBank works hard to make checking smarter. No maintenance fees, no minimum balances, 40,000 ATMs. That's pretty smart. Open a Key smart checking account today. KeyBank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com. KeyBank is a member, F-D-I-C. Okay, Vince, we're not going to number them. We're just going to let you keys to the game, and we'll go as I watch the clock, too. So <laughs> what do you got? Good. Give me one key to the game today. Well, uh my one key is for both sides of the ball, be aggressive, um, you know, attack. And, and I think that we've seen the Notre Dame defense be at its best when they are aggressive and they're attacking, uh, not sitting back and letting the game come to them. I think we need to see them attack. And then offensively, same thing, you know, attack downfield, attack different parts of the defense. Don't just run it at them, attack different parts of the defense. Excuse me. And I, I think you're going to have a lot of success. So, you know, my first key is you have to attack on both sides of the ball. All right, attack both sides of the ball. Another key bank, key game, keys to the game. Get all the wide receivers involved. I think, that, you know, this kind of, yeah, this kind of gets uh, you know, similar to the attack thing, right? Mm -hmm. But spread the ball around, you know, get everybody involved, you know, get all these wide receivers involved. Look, there's only five scholarship wide receivers, right? We've heard about that a million times, but guess what? All five can play and they can play at a high level. Get them the football, you know, make the defense for Georgia Tech wonder where the ball is going to go. Don't just key in on one guy or two guys. Mm -hmm. Get all five guys involved. That was nice last week. That was it was really spreading around. It was nice to see Michael Meyer more into the flow the, that they included him more. I thought they were kind of shortchanging him in the past, but maybe that was because of the defense. How about another key bank key to the game? Well, you've got to have a Jameer Gibbs plan. He He's the, the little running back that I was talking about earlier. He's dynamic when the football is in his hands. Uh, he's dynamic in the return game. If they kick the ball to Jameer Gibbs ever on kickoff return or punt return, then then Brian Pullian needs to be fired. Uh, and, I, of course, I'm being hyperbolic when I say that, but you don't, you do not, you want to avoid getting the ball in Jameer Gibbs's hands as much as possible. He's a dynamic kid. He's He can wiggle out of, out of things. He had a kick return for a touchdown last week. You do not want to let him change the game with the ball in his hands. And that's Vince's keys to the game brought to you by Key Bank. Get a Key Bank cashback credit card up to 2% back for those of you who like cash and getting it back. Earn up to 2% cash back on purchases with the Key cashback credit card. Key Bank opens doors. For more info, visit key.com slash cashback. Key Bank is a member FDIC. And now we're going to get Vince's score prediction 
Ooh, the pressure's on, right? Uh, you yeah. know, it's it's funny. I, I submitted my score prediction in written form uh, on Thursday, and then Friday we did our, our podcast about it, and I couldn't remember what I said, so I just kind of went with another score. It was exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> and so I guess I'm pretty confident in my score prediction. I have uh, – I think Notre Dame's going to be able to put up some points. Uh, they should have put up more points last week against Virginia. I think this is a very similar defense as far as skill is concerned. Notre Dame needs to score. They need to make a statement in this game, in my opinion. So I've got Notre Dame winning 42 to 13. I think this is going to be a big win for Notre I'd Dame. I'd love to see 42 points on the board. Let's Absolutely. Do Let's do it. Hey, great great show again as usual today. A lot of great guests and stuff, so thank you. Thank you for listening out there. Vince and I want to thank Matt Embry uh, for producing back in the WSBT studios. Great job as usual, Matt. And a personal thank to all our guests for taking time out of their busy weekend to chat with us and make the show what it is. And, of course, we thank you for listening. Don't go anywhere as WSBT's Notre Dame coverage continues. Right after us will be the Game Day Sports Beat Show with Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. Immediately following Sports Beat, it's the Notre Dame Network pregame show. Then it's kickoff just after 2.30 p.m. NBC. And after the game, make sure to join Sean Styers and Evan Sharpley for the official post-game show. Please join us next, next week at a to-be-announced time as your Irish head out west to face Stanford. Listen to Sports Beat all week for our show time. For Vince D'Addario, this is Tim Growl. We hope you enjoy a great Thanksgiving, and thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, South Bend. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.